Hello and welcome to the Jackcast, your Swansea City podcast. I'm Matt Brocco and this week I'm joined just by Stephen Carroll. Good evening, Steve. Evening. Right, we've got four games to catch up on. Um, try my best to keep upbeat and optimistic and not let this become a doom and gloom episode. But uh, fair to say there's been a worrying run of form recently, Steve. Uh, before we get into the games... Um, really speaking, haven't really done a great deal. Well, we haven't done a great deal this year at all, but in terms of when we're looking back to around about late October, would you say? Would it be nearly October since the last real run of form? It's not been a, a fantastic run, is it? No, it's not. Obviously, we, after the international break in October, we had four wins in five, didn't we? And that took us up as far as Bournemouth, which was early November. Mm-hmm. And we started quite well there, didn't we? Um, we could have scored early on and then conceded against the runner play and obviously we were well beaten in the end but well, that game, that... I, I, I recall in the build-up to that game us, us doing a podcast saying that will really make a statement that we are promotion contenders if we get a result up there it yeah, just, it really we're... does seem that we jinxed the whole season there yeah, I think we were all like sort of speculating weren't we that if we could go there and do well maybe we were a playoff team I, think, I don't think we were thinking top two certainly were we but um, you know it's it's not gone great since. I think it's two wins in twelve, something like that. So yeah, yeah. it's not been it's not been brilliant. I mean, we definitely could have picked up more points, couldn't we? I mean, there were some yeah. games that I suppose could have gone either way. We the games we that we've shot ourselves in the foot with, aren't they? I think that's the frustrating thing where we've gifted some bad goals and we haven't been able to recover really. So I think that's the annoying thing, isn't it? Absolutely, and I think uh, it's a recurring theme. Unfortunately, it's not uh, something that we particularly look like we're um, we're learning from anytime soon. In fact, the games as we look to address them, the first one we got uh, going back to the twenty second of January is the uh, is the only win that we get to discuss. So we're we'll revel in it. It was a home result against Preston, a one 0 win there. Ryan Manning with a goal uh, ten minutes into the second half. Steve. Um, I had to ask you to re- remind me of the performance of this one because, uh, and you, you you forgave me saying it was a largely forgettable affair, particularly the first half. Yeah, the first half was very dull. I mean, I remember feeling quite bored and thinking, well, what's coming here? But, you know, that one moment from Ryan Madden is the standout moment, really, wasn't it? It was a, a cracking goal and worthy of winning any game, really. And, uh, you know, I think we needed that, didn't we? Because, you know, we haven't been winning many games recently. We, you know, I think we needed that win just to sort of keep us ticket over. A clean sheet was nice as well, but you know, I, I don't think anyone's gonna want to watch that back on DVD if I'm uh, if I'm honest with you. But yeah, we we had the win and it was it was needed, and yeah, um, we just got to be happy with it, haven't we? Because I think well, the last podcast you've done, you, of course, you did it um, without me because it's unavailable. Was would have been addressing the Huddersfield game and that second half of that game. Um, in particular, give us that glimmer of hope, didn't it? It made you think, right, you know what? We know what the standard is now. We know whether the bar has to be set. Because that second half, I had us feel we could have got two or three. We certainly were all over them. They barely got out of their half. And I, I apologise for addressing something which, of course, you've already talked about. But that game, I thought we'd set a bar. And so to come down, of course, the three points are hugely, you know, uh, uh, we're grateful for them. Um, and grateful, re- gratefully received after the after the Preston game. But uh, 
there was almost a level that we'd set in the Huddersfield game that we kind of thought, well, those are the sorts of, that's our target now, isn't it? We've got to try and hit that sort of intensity and that sort of work rate um, to really push teams back on their on the back foot. And uh, to be honest with you, since then, we haven't done it, have we? No, we haven't. I mean, it's been, it has been a bit frustrating because I think a lot of us expected really a bit of a slow start once we got back to playing after what was a, a long break, really. So when we came on strong at Huddersfield, it was quite encouraging because you're thinking, well, okay, this is, you know, you weren't really expecting it and it, it, it bode well really for the next few games. But, you know, I don't think we have sort of kicked on massively from there. I mean, there's been, some of the games have been okay, but then, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about Hull that was, you know, that was particularly bad, I would say, especially in the first half. But mm. yeah, it's not, I suppose, we're just an unpredictable, inconsistent team, aren't we? That's probably the best way of, like, um, describing it. We, we just, you don't really know what you're going to get from us. Because um, I still think there is the makings of a good team. You know, there's certainly some good players here. But we're not showing it a great deal at the moment. But at the same time, we could start to show it when we sort of don't expect it. So I think that the main thing to take from it is I, I wouldn't um, put the Swans on any sort of accumulator at the moment because you just... You really don't know what you're going to get from us. Yeah, it's it's a weird one. I th- I feel like my personal opinion is whilst we're unpredictable, we do tend to blow cold at the moment a lot more than we're blowing hot. I think the 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 standouts are the odd performance, like I say, the Huddersfield second half and stuff. But by and large, it's not greatly encouraging. There's not a massive amount of chance creation or. Um, exciting play and if I see uh, any such comparisons to like it was talk about the Graham Potter season for example I don't think it quite marries up at this stage because I recall in that season us snatching defeat from the jaws of victory so often where we completely outplayed teams peppered their goal created so many chances and somehow got caught by a sucker punch or an awful refereeing decision Time and time again, it seemed to be on a weekly basis. We thought the gods were against us. We had no luck at all. Um, I don't quite feel that way so much, particularly, like you say, since that run of form in October. Um, it, it has felt a lot like we haven't helped ourselves. Is that a fair comment? We we don't really seem to be creating those chances or moving or stretching teams enough um, to, to warrant that sort of claim that we, you know, we were the, yeah, we can pull 65, 70% possession at the bag every week, but are we really pushing teams to the point where you think, do you know what, they're hanging on you? Because I don't think so in a lot of cases. No, I, I think that that's a fair reflection, really. I mean, we're, we're ha- we are having a lot of the ball. I mean, are we asking a lot of questions? Probably not. I mean, Huddersfield is a good example. I thought we, we were camped in their half, really, but there weren't a great deal of, of chances. I think that's our, Seems to be a big problem. Maybe we're not picking the right option, or nobody can see a through ball, or sometimes there's a few that are waiting and maybe for the perfect chance to sort of go a goal. It's you know we're not always picking the the right options in the the final third, and I think that's sort of hurting us. And I mean, as you say, under Potter, it did feel like we were unlucky a lot, and a few decisions would go against us and stuff like that. But we're not really getting ourselves in enough positions where you know you've got to sometimes get incidents where you might get a foul in the box or something like that at the moment. We were having them earlier in the season, but I wouldn't say so much now. So I think we're, you know, we're we're such a work in progress. I think that seems to be the problem, doesn't it? Where 
you know, I think we have got better with, with some stuff, but we're a bit too easy to play against. I think that's the problem. Like we're, you know, we do keep some clean sheets, but sometimes it's because oppositions are missing chances. I think as opposed to us, you know, looking brilliant at the back at times, and then you know, going forward, we we're just lacking something. I think sometimes pace is part of it. I think because we are a little bit slow and predictable at times. Whereas if we had a couple of players that were a bit quicker, obviously maybe we wouldn't uh, be like that, and it would be harder to play against us, and we would maybe create more things a bit quicker than what we do. So. Yeah, there's there are some flaws I think in, in the side at the moment, and you know we need to, you know there's certainly things we need to work on. And obviously, I'm sure we'll discuss Patterson in a bit, but I think him coming back into the team is certainly something that might uh, change things. Yeah, and and for me, I mean, we talk about pace being in the team. I know an old um, saying, for, you know, the, the no player can move as fast as a ball. At the end of the day, um, it's moving the ball quickly when the opportunity arises, and it's so infuriating watching us um, on a weekly basis, to be honest with you, at the moment, twice a week, the fixture pile up. But when you see the ball break in midfield, we win a ball back after a challenge, and immediately there's space for the ball to be released to Oberfemi or Cham or someone someone who's pulled off his man, he's, he's out wide, and instead we take a touch, we take another touch, and the man comes across to, to mark our runner then or, or the player that's peeled off his man and it's no longer on. So then we're looking to play it to someone who perhaps is in a bit of space and the move breaks down before it begins. And I, I feel like as much as the pace would certainly help, and I know we've had these conversations uh, on WhatsApp and the such, um, but as much as I feel like pace would help us, it's also decision-making. I also feel like we've got a big issue at the moment with bravery um, and, and that sort of making decisions you go do you know what I could lose the ball here there was a here's an example and we're going to skip ahead a little bit now to last night's game uh, before we go back and analyze the others there was a ball in the first half that Matt Grimes played through to Oberfemi and um, who poked it and the keeper saved it you recall it Steve the one I'm talking about um it it sliced open the the Luton defense it was a a, a stunning ball um but that felt like that felt like a, the anomaly that felt like something there we go. That is what we can do. That was a quick ball. He played it. He saw the run. He played it straight away through to him. And uh, we very nearly scored from it. But it seems to be so few and far between that we pick those risky passes. Um, and you can have all the possession in the world. But if you're going to be playing in front of 11 men all game, you're going to find it so difficult to create the chances to score the goals. Um, and that's what really bugs me, I think, is, is that there's not enough bravery in that team. Is Is that a... Is that a personnel issue for you, or is it something more mental, confidence-wise, maybe? Yeah, I think sometimes players are a bit safe, aren't they? They don't like to play a risky pass. I think it was Grimes last night, wasn't it, that played the yes, for Oliver for, for And I was, at the time, it's like, I know it didn't quite come off of the finish, but it was such a good ball, and it really did give the opposition something to think about. And it's like, well, there's nothing wrong with playing those type of balls, and I don't mind when they don't come off. Yeah. Because you know when they do, like that incident last night, like what really wasn't far off a goal, was it? So, you know, it's nice to see someone like Grimes playing that type of pass because I think obviously he is a good player on the ball and stuff like that. But I think sometimes he doesn't look for those type of openings. So it was, it was nice that he actually did on this occasion and played it, and obviously it, it came off, didn't it? So, you know, I think it's, it, it, you can't just blame the midfielders at times as well because you do need your strikers to move around a bit. And I think. Be fair to Oberfemi. I think he was trying. Um, yeah, he was lively last night. Yeah, he was lively. So 
you know, in that sense, that was, you know, reasonably positive, I would say. Um, and we need to see more of it because I think if you do that more often, then, you know, we are going to get chances, aren't we? And, you know, I, I think we were unlucky that that didn't go in, really. So that, that's definitely, we need to see more of, of that type of thing. And the other thing I did sort of like from last night in the, the first half, where I thought there were some reasonable moments. I think we, we were seeing the likes of Christian Wolf sort of trying to get beyond, you know, the, the last man a lot and, and then get the ball in the box. And we haven't seen enough of that really either, I don't think. So there were those at least positives, I think, to take from, from last night. When we do need to see more of that. I think if we do, then obviously we will start to score a few more goals. So that's definitely something that we can take from uh, from what happened against Luton. Yeah. I'll jump back now as I'm to and fro and through through the games. Um the Q, the QPR game on Tuesday the twenty-fifth. Um a nil-nil draw. Uh again, it was one of those games really, wasn't it? That um of course we finished it with ten men, Steve, with uh, with Downs getting a, a red card in the ninety second minute. But it it always felt like one of those games that not a lot was going to be given or taken by either side. Yeah, I th- I think so really. It's um yeah, it, it wasn't the classic. I mean I, I was up there, um they had a couple of chances, then they 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 had the post with one and there was a big save from Hamer late on. Um you know, I never really felt we were gonna score. There's a couple of chances Perot had one and then I'm honest, with 20 minutes to go, when Martin's made that sub, Perot's gone off and Wolf's gone off. I'm looking at the team and thinking, where That's is the cool. goal now coming from? Because I worked it out. There were only four goals on the pitch at that point. I think Manning had scored two, Downs had one, and Aubafemi had one. And it, you know, that that is a, a concern for us, isn't it? Um, I think only seven players have scored for us this season. One of them is now a Coventry. So, yeah. And one of them that, has been exiled. <laughs> yeah, like... Yeah, hopefully back from exile soon because yeah. Um, but that that's the problem. You know, you other people have got to chip in as well, and they. I think that's the point that I'm sort of trying to make. We can't be relying on on everybody, and then uh, sort of well relying on Perot and Patterson, which is what we have been doing. And obviously Perot has had been starved of service recently. The other Patterson hasn't played, and it's sort of shown it. I think, isn't it? So we we need other people to to chip in a bit and that's if they do then that will be a, a big help for us because you know we're not going to win many games without scoring goals I mean it is uh, the lowest in the division I think seven players which isn't a shock is it really so yeah that it's just been highlighted I think hasn't it recently again because obviously we haven't scored in our last three now have we and since obviously the, after the enforced break it's two goals in five games I mean it's it's not good enough is it we're not the only ones saying it um, it feels like there's probably close to 16,000 in the stadium seeing it every week. But the man in the dugout perhaps isn't seeing it. And it's the issue with Corey Smith playing as the attacking midfielder, Steve. Um, it won't be the first time we mentioned it. And hopefully it will be the last because I hope we never have to see it again. Um, with all due respect to Corey Smith, he works hard and he means well. But he absolutely kills us in that position. We lack any sort of forward momentum. We lack any sort of drive. Last night's game, again, we will talk about it in greater detail in a bit. But the noticeable change, as you talked about that opening period where we looked threatening with Wolf and Cham, Christie getting at Luton. And really, we had about a 50-minute spell where it looked like, you know what, this could come good for us tonight. Um, Norton went off injured. 
Then Corey Smith was brought on, the shape was changed, and Chan was forced out wide. Smith was playing in more advanced role and dead. And and unfortunately, we've seen it every game that he plays in that hole. It's just not working. It's never worked. It's it leaves us with three defensive midfielders in there, and it just absolutely suffocates any creativity, any forward momentum we can have. And I I I cannot see at this stage why Russell Martin persists with it. No, I I can't either. I mean, with with the greatest respect to to Corey Smith, I think it's it's just not his attributes. Is he? He's more of a a deeper midfielder, a bit of a spoiler, really, as opposed to you know a creative one. I mean, I think he's only scored about six goals in his career, so it's it's a misreading of his abilities, isn't it? He shouldn't be there, and I think he probably knows himself that he he shouldn't be playing there. So, you know, has the manager been doing it to make a point that he needs more players? Maybe we don't know. Um, but if, if he does genuinely think that that is Corey Smith's future going forward, I would be concerned because it really is not. And there's been nothing to suggest in any game that that is a, a position that he should play in. So, yeah, I'm, um, it's, yeah I, I was pleased last night that he, he didn't play there, put it that way. I think, uh, you know, that when, when you see that the team, as you have done in a few of the other games, and he's playing in that position, you, again, that's, yeah. that's one of the reasons why you're thinking that the goals are not going to flow for us. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's not him. Is it? He hasn't scored for us in what's probably, I don't know, do you think he's played 50, 60 games for us? And it wouldn't be a great shock if he goes the rest of the season without scoring either, would it? So, yeah, he's, he's not an attacking midfielder and uh, I don't want to see him playing there. Yeah, it's it it's tough. Um, and in, in the games we're struggling to score on, I think, you know, we've got one goal in the four games we're going to analyse here. Um, so, I mean, you don't need to, to, tell, to tell anyone listening to this about our struggles, but they are there, they exist, and uh, it, it means that we are left in a difficult situation, particularly as we're going to talk about uh, Patterson in a little bit. But um, move on to Hull, which exposed... Once again, our frailties at the back, Steve. And from what I expected of this season, I know we've had the COVID break in between, which has interrupted progress. But I expected a slow start. I expected it to kind of mirror MK Don's season last year, where it looked disastrous for the first couple of months. And then slowly you start seeing the seeds of growth. And then suddenly, second half of the season or later on in the season, you're looking like, you know, you could you just wish the season lasted ten more games because you could be onto something. And um, at this stage, we're still making the same mistakes week in, week out, being caught in the fullback position, um, completely exposed. And the players are getting in behind us, creating chances, getting balls into the box too easily. Players not tracking runners, which is infuriating. And when you look at the players as meant to be tracking runners, particularly in the Hull game, Steve, they were midfielders. Where are you on our defenders, not the primary defenders here? They they seem to be playing in other positions, being dragged left and right. Um, and you and you're left with the likes of you know Jay Fulton being asked to track a, a striker running in at the back post. It, it it seems nonsensical to me, but then I'm not a football manager. But it, it does feel like we're being caught week in, week out in the same space. And if you could identify an area of the pitch of the Swans this season where it really, really has been awful, it's in behind those wing backs, isn't it? We get caught there almost every game. 
Yeah, I, I'd say that it is. I mean, as you say, I mean, the couple of goals we conceded there, it just felt like there were a couple of midfielders that were seemed to be tracking the, you know, the defenders. And I was thinking, what, what you know, what's going on here? We, we were just so shapeless, weren't we? I mean, that first half for me is one of the worst I've, I've seen this season, but certainly the worst since, you know, towards the start of the season, the likes of somewhere like Preston, where we played really badly. I mean, I, I just don't know what we were doing. I mean, it Surrender. took forever to sort of get in, in towards their box, didn't it, in the first half? And it, it was concerning, wasn't it, that? I mean, everyone can have the odd stinker, but that that was bad. And, I, and it, the worst thing is, it come against a team that I really don't think are very good. I mean, down here, I thought they were abysmal. So... To play like that was was not good, was it? I did have sympathy for those that travelled up. I mean, the two down in 15 minutes or whatever, they must have just been thinking, what am I doing here? What have I done with my weekend? Um, certainly one of one of those ones. And um, frustrating. And we, like I say, we were defensively, it was poor. And it, it could have been more, couldn't it? Like, that was the worst thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We didn't show up and calamitous play. Um at the back just catches us out every time and unfortunately as you said a little earlier on the podcast a lot of it is our own undoing it's our own you know simple simple switching off at the you know key moment and you've just gone up for a team that struggles to score conceding a goal can be terminal and 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 we find it week in week out that you concede after four minutes or whatever it was against Hull um away from home and the players are probably looking around at each other at this point, thinking, well, who's going to be, you know, how are we, are we going to score two year now to, to win this game? Or, um, And, of course, it just never got going that first half. There was a rocket up the Arsenal, doubt the half-time damage was done. Um, and it, it leaves us, it left us with a bit of a sour taste in the mouth. And uh, it took us up to to last night's game then, Steve. Uh, I'll... I'll Pre, uh, before we talk about the game, I'll analyse by saying I don't think I've seen a game, not in recent history at least, that has divided opinion quite as much as this one has. It has had every opinion that I can imagine spe- speculated about it. There's been, it's the worst. I've seen loads of um, Russell Martin out tweets and more posts. I've seen, I've heard the booze. Um, I've also heard people say that was incredibly unlucky. We're back to our best. I've seen that was the best performance under Russell Martin. I can't believe whether whatever your opinion on the game was. I can't believe that we all watched the same game. Yet the def- the defining characteristics of the game have been analysed completely different by all sorts of supporters. I think we every opinion has been shared on last night. Yeah, it is a bit of a strange one, isn't it? I think I'm sort of more in the middle. I've certainly seen worse. It was definitely not as bad as Hull. Um, no way. Um, I thought we sort of started in a shaky way. We, we didn't look great defensively. And then there was that spell in the first half where we, we did look, you know, reasonably decent, I thought. There was, like I said, that move we were talking about where Grimes put over Fermi and that, around that period, we that was good. Um you know, when Norton went off and Smith come on, that wasn't great. I didn't think that was the right sub. I think Burns probably should have come on there. Um, after that, we probably weren't so good. Um, you know, I think towards the end of the first half, Luton certainly could have scored. We looked a bit shaky there. Um, they didn't really look as threatening, I didn't think, in the second half. No, they, they didn't. Get a, get a goal. Um, what I would say is after we they did score, I didn't not say I thought we played that well. 
but we did actually have some chances, some reasonable yeah. chances as well, which, you know, we really probably should have taken one of them at least. So, in that sense, I am a, a sort of more encouraged in terms of we we created more chances and better chances than we have for a while, but we didn't. Did they ever have that conviction we were going to score? I think that's sort of the problem of it, really. Um, and there were certainly times there where it was a bit boring. So I think that's the concern, really. I know obviously you're, you're probably a bit angrier and you know pessimistic. Uh, what makes you think that, Steve? <laughs> um, uh, I've known you 30 years. That's enough. Look, right. I will start. I'll start my analysis by saying. It's 2020 fucking two, and Matt Grimes is still on free kicks. I have no hope for this club anymore if this is what the manager sees and decides on every week. I think the block is nearing in on a thousand free kicks of the Swans, and he hasn't, he's only at the target with about 12 of them. I cannot believe he's still on them. This weekend, the weekend just gone against Hull. We had another free kick taker. Two days later, we loaned him out to Hull. It's just beggar's belief that we've actually gone back to... And, and, and look, I was forced in the end. I had I just could not cope in the end, as, as you know, Steve. 90th minute free kick, edge of the box. And you joked with me that Grimes was going to take it again, having ballooned one 10 minutes earlier. And I said, no, all jokes aside... I know you're trying to wind me up, but not even Grimes is going to put this down and take this again now, as such as it was his atrocious effort a little earlier on. And then he did, and he took it again. And I know he did. He tried to cross it in the second time, but I just, I just completely lost it. I just thought, well, what's the point? Is there no one on the pitch that's going to put that ball down and say, Joe, you know I'm going to have a go because he's useless at them. And it just, I know people um, focusing on open play, and I get that, and I get most of our good play does come through open play and stuff but free kicks on the edge of the box should be a chance to score set pieces in general i know corners are notoriously you know difficult to score from but you should have a chance to score we don't look like scoring ever from any set piece and i feel like we were blessed um with previous free kick takers of of you know years gone by and had opportunities where you thought, you know what, we might not have played well here, but we've got a chance to score from this set piece. I just don't feel that way anymore. And we're not giving ourselves a leg up. We're not giving ourselves a chance. Um, I hope he never takes another free kick. As much as I hope Corey Smith never plays in the attacking role again, I hope Matt Grimes never takes another free kick uh, as long as he's at Swansea. I really don't. I don't understand what Russell Martin is doing there either. Um, it's it's absolutely bonkers. Um and 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 that just as you know, I just I could could not see straight anymore after that point. It was just lost my head with it. But um, generally speaking, I thought as as you as you alluded to the the boring element of it, I thought I don't think we did enough. I really don't. I I didn't think we. I thought the Luton goal was actually coming, even though they didn't have many goal scoring opportunities in the second half. They did have two or three good ones, very good ones in the first half. Um, and I just thought there was the sense that we were a bit lax in that hole between defence and midfield, and that's where the goal came from in the end. Cameron Drome allowing to, being allowed to bring the ball down unchallenged and, and, and pass it inside. It just, there seemed to be a little bit of lax in our play uh, on and off the ball. Um, 
and and it goes back to what we're saying about not take not taking risks, not playing the early pass. I I think as you mentioned that 10-15 minute period in the first half where uh, that Grimes passed over Fermi happened. Um, Hannes Wolf. To be honest, to be fair to Wolf. For the majority of last night, he was our bright spark, I thought. I don't think he gave up. I think he kept running. And I think it was probably his best game for us uh, so far. And that's what we need more of. We need someone with a... We need that sort of direct running. We need that enthusiasm on the pitch to stop being so safe. And and I think that's where it boils down to. And maybe, as we're going to address in a little bit now, the... Patterson situation could help us there. It should help us there. Um, because he's another player who's not afraid to try something, even if it means he loses the ball. And we just don't have enough of those players, do we? No, we don't. That's the that's the problem, isn't it? I mean, I've I've highlighted pace as being a big thing, and I, I honestly think it is a massive like thing. I know we've we've lost lead, haven't we? And I'm not saying that he's a better player than Christie, he may well not be, but we just lost that that guy that had that real you know, energy and could take us up the pitch. I mean, obviously, we'll, we'll discuss the transfer window shortly. I mean, not, I'm not sure about Ogbina if he's got pace, but he, he really needs to have pace because, you know, it's it's a team that really is is lacking in it, isn't it? I mean, as you say, that other bits of creativity and, and stuff like that, that's that's what we're, we're just so lacking in, aren't we? I think Wolf does have it in him, and obviously he's still building himself up to a bit of match fitness, I think. And last night was the best he's, he's played, I would say, definitely. So there was... There was some encouragement uh, there with him, but we, you know, we've we've just got to do more, I think, haven't we? That that's the problem. Um, you know, we we did see some signs of it yesterday, I think, from from my point of view, and, and some of the stuff that we discussed earlier. So, you know, we just need to see more of it, don't we, in the next few games? Like if we do, then we will inevitably end up taking our chances. But you know, we we just got to hurt the opposition more, haven't we? I mean, I think the keeper made four saves last night. I mean, it's it's not really enough, is it? We've got to ask more questions than that. Yeah, it's um, there are some positives. Um, even though I'm very much on the case of, uh, I do not see what some saw as that as a as a very strong performance or any of the like. I thought there were a couple of positives, as I mentioned, Hannes Wolf. I thought he he showed promise. Um, Obafemi for me, one of his best games in my opinion. Uh, I thought he actually showed some energy, showed willing, which. My biggest criticism of Buffemi, he's been lazy as fuck since he's joined. He hasn't chased, he's ambled around the pitch. Um, last night he looked hungry and I thought that was a real positive for us. Um, should have scored, of course, but um, you know, if he keeps making those move, that movement and keeps offering that threat to the defenders, then um, the chances and the goals will come. And it follows on from, of course, the whole game where he hit the woodwork Um on the weekend and um you know hopefully he's building and was eventually going to see what uh michael ofemi is all about you know um let's hope that's the case anyway so there were for me there was a few parts of course we saw the uh the debut of fisher as well steve um don't know really know what to make of his debut to be honest with you a few shaky moments and I feel with his feet as well, in fact. He didn't always find his man and put us under pressure a couple of times. Let's hope it was just debut nerves because I'm thinking that is exactly why he was brought into the club, was to to, to be that ball-playing goalkeeper that we wanted to build from the back with. And, uh, well, let's hope uh, that was just a bit of nerves on his part. 
Yeah, it probably wasn't an it wasn't an amazing debut from him, really, was it? Um, I said that was that one incident in the second half where that misplaced pass that could have put us in a bit of trouble. But mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's it's always harsh, isn't it, to judge someone completely after one game? I mean, he's going to yeah. get a run in, in the side, isn't he? We'll we'll have a look at it after that, really. But I I did agree with the decision to bring him in. I must be honest, I don't think Hamer has been as good as he was at the start of the season, and. Um, this goalkeeper obviously was brought into play, wasn't he? So I think it was the right decision to to put him in, and um, yeah, we'll see how he gets on now over the next few weeks. I absolutely think, as leading into the transfer window here now, um, I think after you opted to spend what isn't an insignificant amount of money for us, I mean, at the end of the day, we we seem to have we don't seem to have two pennies to rub together. So if you're gonna agree to a, a four hundred thousand pound deal for a goalkeeper, having decided to send your backer keeper away on loan then they don't play that is a completely nonsensical transfer you may as well have kept Bender here kept playing Hamer or Bender saved your 400k and used that to fill some desperate holes that we've got in this squad um goalkeeping wasn't one of them in terms of you know we had two goalkeepers I would have been happy to see either of them on the pitch on any given day um but we decided to make that move and it, the fact that he wasn't playing up until now just seemed to be like, well, well is this a massive waste of money? So I, I, I should imagine from the here on in, Fisher will be um, the goalkeeper of choice. Certainly has to, um, you know, when we spent the money that we have on him, we don't seem to have a lot more else to spend. So um, we'll see. I just always see a lot more of him and hopefully he'll grow um, from here on. So that brings us to the transfer window. Um, all in all, there was a fair bit of movement, but a lot of it was loans, whether they were loans in and out, or in or out. Um, we'll go over the ins for now, and that is Andy Fisher, as we just talked about. We've uh, seen a little bit of uh, Cyrus Christie as well since he joined on loan. Hannes Wolf, of course, joined us earlier in the month on loan. Finley Burns has joined us on loan. And Kyle Joseph has returned from loan. Uh, added to that was a permanent sign-in, another permanent sign-in, which was Nathaniel Ogbeta, who joined from uh, Shrewsbury, apologies, on deadline day. Uh, it seemed to be, Steve, um, an absolute farce from the club. Uh, the fact that they were inquiring about left-backs uh upper state on deadline day. <laughs> it, it, it just beggar's belief that we seem to be so disorganised that I feel like someone could turn up any given night at the Liberty Stadium and point them in the direction of someone they hadn't heard of before because I sometimes think our scouting department is a series of Twitter accounts. It it, it just beggar's belief how disorganised they appear to be at the club. Yeah, I mean, I'm not being funny, but it was obvious to everybody, wasn't it, that we were absolutely desperate to bring somebody in at left wing back. I'm not being funny. It needed to be like, even if it wasn't anyone that good in the end, we needed a body there because we don't have an established one yet. I mean, it, it genuinely looked like, though, didn't it, that we weren't going to bring somebody in. And you're thinking, like, you, you physically can't be serious here. And then, obviously, in the end, we did. But, yeah, I mean, you see some of the stories that came out yesterday, like Ryan Logman, a, a deal was agreed. Uh-huh. And, um, obviously, it got to a certain stage and the owners pulled the plug. I mean, what on earth are they doing sticking their nose in the transfers? I mean... Look, unless there's something that's outside the budget, their noses should be as far away from those deals as possible. At the end of the day, Jason Levy is a man 
that tried to sanction a loan deal to Leeds for Daniel James. Now, I'm not being funny, but that was one of the worst deals probably in the entire English football pyramid in probably about a decade or something. It was genuine lunacy. And you would think that after that, that no should be kept out of everything because he nearly cost us, I would say, quite possibly about 10 million quid. Like, it was literally that stupid and everybody else could have told him that as well. So... Why? Well, our chairman fell on his sword for it. Yeah, and literally, they oh, should be thanking him because his parting shot was literally something that saved us a small fortune and would have caused us a lot more problem if he didn't do it. So, you know, I, I just don't understand. Like, you, you can't bring a manager in and basically start dictating players to him. I mean, you've got to let a manager pick the players. Now, it's fair enough if you go, right, this player now, we can't afford the fee that it will take to bring him in. Yeah. Well, that's a different ballgame, that is. You have to say with that, right, that's fine. Because you're running then a club, aren't you, that is financially sensible and you're not putting yourself at risk. So I'll, I'll never stick the boot in over that. But the fact that a deal was agreed and then we pulled the plug, I mean, it's, it's just not acceptable, is it? It's embarrassing, if anything. Like, I bet Brighton were furious with us. Like, they're probably thinking to themselves, you know, why would we want to do a deal with Swansea in the future then? Because they've proven now that they might mess us about and we might pick a deal with them over someone else. And then they could miss out on it. And then a team that maybe originally wanted the player um, may have gone elsewhere and then they can't shift them. So It's not the first time we've either. We fucked Liverpool off a couple of times. Yeah, with, well, with Nat Phillips, apparently, yeah. last year. We, we, we yeah. did that. And then, obviously, the fact we didn't play Reese Williams this year, we're, we're probably not in a uh, good box, especially, either. So, you know, the fact is, the Swans probably have two reputations now, don't they? One for messing people around, and the other one maybe not so much now, but certainly in the, the early part when we came down, has been a soft touch on deadline day. And then both of those things are not things that you want to be associated with. So, you know, it's not good, is it? Let's let's be frank about it. It's it's wholly unprofessional and it just doesn't reflect well on us. And it's not going to help us going forward. So why are we, are we doing it? You know, and it, it seems like there were other deals that maybe could have, like the, the Matt O'Reilly one, I can't be too critical, partly because the one and a half million overall, that might be outside the budget. We don't know what the finances are. And the fact is, we didn't agree a deal with that anyway. So it doesn't sound like at least there was any messing about going on like there was with the Ryan Longman one. So I can't be too critical of that, although I think it's, you know, he probably would have been a good investment for us and would have been someone that we would have ended up selling for for more than we paid. So in that sense, it's frustrating because... You know, if you can do those type of deals, obviously that's what we're going to need to do a lot of going forward. So that is some frustration, but you, you can't be overly critical, but you can't agree deals with people and then pull out just because the owner thinks that, you know, that's not right for us. I mean, it, what the hell is he playing at? Keep your nose out. Because when you, as we've seen previously, when he sticks his nose in, it's not good for anybody. Yeah, the thing is, I think, Steve, is that, like you say, the, the budget is the budget and there's going to be conversations between our um, recruitment team, Russell Martin, and the owners of what we can afford. And that's where it should start and end, you know. It, it should be a case of, you know, can we afford this player? Um, there's going to be, you know, a little bit more in terms of, if you look at the Matt O'Reilly situation, it, it became apparent, um, you know, judging from what Russell Martin was saying and, and what we heard about Matt O'Reilly, that he was potentially a, a, a 10, 12 million pound player and waked in there, you know, and, and, and to be fair to Russell Martin, the players he's brought in 
they all look like we're going to make money on them. <laughs> you know, the permanence. If you if you could just take Flynn Downs, for example, you, you we've had an absolute bargain there. Uh, you know, he's going to make the club money, uh, whether it be next year or whatever, whenever it may be. Um, when the club decide to cash in, it'll be for a significant profit. So you can see the argument for saying, look, can we stretch the budget? Can we push the boat out just a little bit here? Because you will... You know, you'll you, you'll thank me in eighteen months, two years' time, um, and those conversations can happen. But in terms of pushing a deal as far as they could with the with um, the player from Brighton, and then pulling the plug in at last minute, I was having a conversation with someone last night who said, you know, at the end of the day, we were waiting on um, Fulton and Danda to leave, and no one came in for them. But is a difference between inquiring about a player and pushing the deal to the brink of being signed and then pulling out? That's bad business practice, I'm afraid. And you go into piss teams off, as you said. So, I mean, we seem to be creating a, a you know a bit of a list here of teams that we've messed about in the transfer market. And I don't like it. I, I don't like the way we do business. And we're not going to get favours. And we're not going to get, you know, we're not going to be trusted with 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 people and, and players and stuff. And, of course, we can talk about the Reese williams situation. One of the ones to be one one of the ones to depart in January. I mean, had his loan uh, ended by Liverpool. Uh, no great surprise there, Steve. Um, just never got going here. Reminiscent of Mark Gehi's start at the club before the uh, lockdown, so him turning to uh, you know Maldini at the back. But he was uh, at the first. He was very shaky, wasn't he, in terms of where he started. And Reese Williams never really got off that out of the blocks at all during his time here and uh, seemed to be so shaky, so nervous that uh, he just never settled. Yeah, I think you do wonder, don't you, if what happened at Newton where he was racially abused had some sort of an impact as well, really, which is is a shame, isn't it? Because obviously nobody deserves to go through that type of experience. Um, yeah, it, it just didn't work out, did it? I, I think for anybody, really. So I think the sensible thing would is for him to to go back up to Merseyside. So, you know, I I wish him well. It's uh it's one of those things some moves don't work out and this was, was one of them. I think it's there's not really a lot you can do about it and um hopefully um you know things will, will be better for him uh, when he, he makes his next move really. Yeah, obviously they'll talk as well about um yeah yesterday regarding the fallout of the transfer window. I know you, you touched upon it a little bit earlier on about how the transfers came and, and fell away for us. Um, one of the ones that hit us unawares in the boardroom level was, was Ethan Laird being recalled, um, which uh, no one expected. He fair to say he'd gone significantly off the boil since the start of the season, but it wasn't a position we anticipated we need to cover for during this window. Um, I'm seeing a I'm seeing a recurring pattern going around. It, it seems to be happening quite often the last couple of years, where teams will send players out on a season-long loan, then cancel the loan and send them somewhere else in January. It, a few teams, I mean, we obviously benefited for, from it with Conor Gallagher a couple of years ago, but in terms of, I've seen it two, three times maybe this January alone, where teams have done that and, and, and called team players back and sent them elsewhere. It, it, it's a it's a trend which is really upsetting clubs, you know, not at the top level of the pyramid, you know, who who rely on loan signings and then find themselves in a sticky situation. It does seem harsh, doesn't it? I think um, you know when, when you're doing this because I mean I can understand it if it's to do with players not playing. I mean 
it's difficult to really criticise that then. Isn't yeah. It? But, I mean, Ethan Laird was a regular, and there was no way that he wasn't going to be a regular for the rest of the season. And I think, you know, you used the Conor Gallagher example then, and it was the same thing with him and Charlton. He was a regular there. Yeah. To pull him out of there was, I remember at the time thinking to myself, that's a little bit arsey, really. I know we benefited from it, of course, but um, yeah, it's not, yeah, it does seem to be happening more and more. I think it must be to do with bigger wage contributions and, um, and maybe bigger loan fees and stuff. But I mean, I would argue that as long as the player's playing and he's happy and he's improving, like, why would you want to really go and rock the boat? Because I mean, Bournemouth did a lot of business, didn't they, you know, for the last uh, period of the window? And what if Laird now doesn't play? I mean, that's not going to do anybody any good then, is it? So I, I think it'd be better from United's point of view if they'd left him here purely because he was playing. But it's up to them. He's their player. It's their prerogative, isn't it? But yeah, it's, it does seem now like the, the bigger clubs can, they sort, sort of can get away with now, can't they? Treated some of the, the smaller ones in, in not a great way. And it's, you know, it's, it's disappointing, isn't it? I think that's, that's what's thing. And, you know, Laird himself may have wanted to stay here and he obviously probably didn't have much of a say in it either. So, no, it's yeah. I it's, it's not something I I like particularly. I think if you send someone somewhere and they're doing well, then I just think you should leave it as it is. Really, I I, I don't think pulling them out and moving them elsewhere is great. Yeah, I've got um I did I did deal with that. Of course, we saw um Cyrus Christie come in, who's had um he's had a positive start to life in a Swan shirt. Steve, he looks um busy. He looks every bit is experienced as we'd expect him to really and um it looks all right he looks good doesn't he yeah i think christy's a good signing i mean we you know we've got a lot of younger players here i think at the moment that's a good thing when we're talking about you know trying to maybe bring in players and then try and improve them and sell them on and stuff but i think there's always room as well for some more experienced players i mean i think he's 29 he's played about 300 games at this level i think no, that, that's a pretty good signing, I, I would say. I mean, we've, we've done well to to get him. And the other thing, to be fair, you know, we managed to get him really. Not that it didn't take too long to get that over the line, especially considering because we were probably completely caught off guard by the leg situation. So, yeah, I think that's a, that's a good replacement. We've, we've done well with that one, I would say. And um, he's made a good start. And, you know, long may continue. And obviously, the one good thing about the Christie deal is he does have, obviously, he's coming on loan. Out of contract, um, isn't he? Yeah, his contract's up in the summer, so he's playing for his future as well. So that's a, so it's good. I say we we, he, we might we might not necessarily be able to afford his demands. I know he took a significant pay cut to come here, but for him, as you as you rightly say, he's going to get a lot of game time between now and the end of the season. So even if he has demands which are beyond our pay pack, it, it's within our and his best interests that he has the best three or four months of his career. Because he's playing, as you say, he's playing for his next club if we can't afford him. Yeah, I think what's interesting, I think, though, is there's going to be a lot of players this summer who probably have a contract. Also, because of COVID, a lot of the clubs outside of the, the big ones that are probably not affected really by what's gone on over the last couple of years, like the rest of them are probably having to cut their cloth accordingly. So I can see a lot of players having to accept less terms than before. So I think the chances of us getting them are probably quite high. I mean, if you look at Patterson's a good example, obviously we, we will talk to him as we, we keep saying, but he probably wouldn't have been able, wouldn't have usually been on a deal of, of one year plus an option, you know, before and likes of Uncham wouldn't have been out of contract going into the final day of the, the transfer window. So, you know, I think it's already taken an impact, but I think it will again this summer because 
there'd have been a lot of players that were on contracts with you know two years and a bit to run when the pandemic started and you know those a lot of clubs haven't recovered really from that so you're going to see I think some players maybe drop in into a lower division than maybe what they would have done previously and having to accept less money so I think Christie probably falls into what that bracket so he probably is going to have to accept that he won't get the type of terms that he may have got before and you know the fact that he's He's at what is, you'd like to think, uh, a fairly stable mid-championship club in terms of position, then, you know, he probably won't get many better offers than us, I don't think. So I think there is a reasonable chance he'll stay here if he does well. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. Early signs are promising. Uh, I mentioned earlier on about the permanent signing of Nathaniel Ogbeta on deadline day. And, well, there's the window closed, really. Um, That seemed to be rushed through last minute. Um, as much of a farce as the whole recruitment process for that position is, this is exactly the sort of player we should be purchasing in our current financial situation, Steve, isn't he? He's young. He's got a few months left in his contracts. We got him relatively cheap. Um, He's got potential to grow and be worth more in the future. I mean, this is the blueprint of our transfer business going forward, isn't it? Yeah, I I think so. I mean, that's that's what we need to be looking at, as as we keep saying, really, isn't it? We've got to get these players in um, that we can improve. I think that's a sort of where we, we did go a little bit wrong, I think, with under Cooper. I mean, I get what we were trying to do by bringing in loan, players on loan and you know trying to plug things short term and thinking, right, well, if this can get us back into the Prem, then obviously oh, it's, going be, yeah. it's going to be the type of gamble that pays off. But then when you don't get in there, it's a bit different because I think the last couple of years we've been looking at the team and thinking, who are the assets that will f- fetch us money? And I think when Roden left, I was thinking, I think the pool has now dried up quite a lot. So I think Derby did the same under Frank Lampard, didn't they? They brought in three or four, you know, decent Premier League youngsters there to to plug gaps on loan. And obviously, um, well, the Derby situation is very much well documented now. Um, but it was it was on a on the premise, as you say, of you know. We they think it gets them into the Premier League, which obviously it nearly did. Um, then it you know it's a it's a great great tactical move, but if it doesn't, then you you set you set to rebuild then, aren't you? Yeah, I think with the issue with Derby as well was that they think before they had Lampard, obviously they and like to Steve McLaren, they were spending quite a bit of money. So mm. I think that it was, I think that was sort of their last throw of the dice after they chucked money and it didn't work really, and then they had to change it. But yeah, I think you've just got to. You've got to be clever about it, haven't you? You do have to invest to a certain extent. And let's be honest, every club in this division now is probably running at a loss. So it'll come to the summer and, you know, arguably every year we're going to have to sell somebody just to try and balance the books. So, you know, so you have to do your recruitment, I think, with that in mind. And, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about it, you know, later in the season where, you know, we've brought in the likes of Piro on the cheap and we've brought in the likes of Downs on the cheap. And they're the type of guys that you, you would have thought now would go for more money than what we paid for them. So, you know, the... You always need to have those type of players with you, I think. And it, the thing is, as well, if you can, you know, sort of build a reputation as a club that that will do that, and also one that then, if good offers come in, you won't stand in the way of players. Then, not a bad one to have, and it's a it's a realistic one, really, isn't it? I mean, let's be honest, the experts at it over the last couple of years have been Brentford. You know, mm. I don't know what they paid for Ollie Watkins, probably a couple of million, and they sold him for thirty odd. Now, I'm not saying we can necessarily do that, and I think in the COVID post world that. Those type of fees are unrealistic anyway, but it does show you that you can be intelligent. I mean, you really can, you know, make money off that and that becomes sustainable and it allows you then to 
invest in, in players again then. So that's definitely the way to go. And Ogbina does sound like one that hopefully could be, you know, another one with potential that we hopefully can improve. And it'll be interesting to see um, how he gets on. Yeah, one of the one of the signings that perhaps we didn't think maybe was a necessity as per se, but uh, was a welcome addition anyway, was Finley Burns on loan from um, Man City. Um, obviously, we were linked with a number of Man City players that didn't come to fruition, Steve. But this one, uh, I think it was like James McAtee, wasn't it? Was was the big one? I think the Swans have been caught in all window um in the end uh unsuccessful in their pursuit but um he comes in with a good pedigree certainly got a uh, he's, he's certainly got a stature about him in terms of um giving us some much needed height at the back and if he can play football that kills the two birds with one stone because i think so much this season haven't we we've been playing between the idea of having ball playing center halves but lacking uh, perhaps some imposing Characteristics. So when you and when you chuck in your likes of Norton and Manning in your back three, then you're losing a lot of height and, and stature there, aren't you? But um, this guy, he's, he's a big imposing figure, but uh, he also is very comfortable with the ball at his feet, apparently. So hopefully there, that that'll that'll play out nicely for the Swans, and he can get a he can get a bit of game time in there, and uh, hopefully we'll benefit as a result. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, we've got so many games left to come, haven't we? I think that's the concern, really, about why we needed to make sure we brought some players in because there's just so many midweeks, and we've had we played two here. I think we got Stoke coming up in a midweek. There's Bournemouth in a few weeks. I think Fulham's been rearranged for midweek, and then there's Peterborough. This is all before about the 20th of March. Mm. So you know, there's so many games, and I'm we are going to have to rotate uh, some positions. I mean, we we saw a bit of it last night, didn't we? Where the manager made a few changes and. You know, that it's important because you, you don't want players to be burnt out. I mean, that's I think that might be why Perot didn't start last night, for example. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's because he's, he's barely had a break, is he? So, you know, I think it's yeah. I, I was glad we brought a centre half in. I felt we needed to do that. Whether he's going to be anything more than like Reese Williams and play the odd game here and there, I don't know. But to be honest, it would be good to bring in a more commanding centre half that is good with the ball at his feet because I think that is something that we're we're lacking, if I'm honest. Yeah. So. You know, if he is, if that is him, then that's great, and I'd like him in the team. Absolutely. Um, as I say, Carl uh, Joseph came back as well as loan um, cut short and redrawn, drawn back to the club. Um, he was the sort of player I'd have liked to have come on when Norton went off. If we were going to move, change our shape and bring on someone to play up the pitch, he would have been. I'd have brought him on before Corey Smith, to be honest with you, to so we didn't fall into the trap of having the Down Smith. Uh, Grimes trio in there again, um, which kills me. <laughs> but um, but yeah, from what little we've seen of him uh, since his return, I think he he shows a lot of promise. He certainly likes to work hard, and um, in a up in a field position of the pitch where we seem to be quite pedestrian at times, um, that little bit of you know effort and movement around and hassling defenders can you know can make a bit of a difference so I'm, I'm optimistic that as you say with all the midweeks coming up we'll hopefully see a little bit more of him as the weeks go on and he can uh, stake a claim for a more regular berth next season yeah I think so that's definitely got to be um the way that we we look at it isn't it so you know we're, we're just it's just a work in progress isn't it we're you know we're we're building something that's not gonna we knew was never gonna um you know, turn overnight kind of thing. And we, we are just looking to, you know, build for the future with, with younger players and, and 
try to improve. And I think next year is going to be the year that we probably really judge the manager on, isn't it? Yeah, there's also a movement for wages purposes. Like you say, the the decision to 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 let um, Jake Bidwell go on a free um, and the such. But more so than any manager I can remember in recent history was uh, is the insistence of Russell Martin that he sent those youth fringe players out on loan to get much needed game time. Uh, the Liam Collins, Morgan Whitaker, Brandon Cooper, Stephen Bender all gone out on loan this window. Uh, Liam Walsh, but he went more tactically so we could fund in um, the signing of uh, the Ogbeta, the fullback. Um, so it allowed us to make a bit of wiggle room there with Liam Walsh, but the others certainly about looking to the future, it feels. And, and that's a, something that we've been banging that drum about for seasons, Steve, haven't we? It's pointless being here and sitting on the bench and saying he's involved with the first team. I'd so much rather these players go out and play 25, 30 games in League One, League Two, if it has to be, and, and really get some first team experience under their belt because that's that's where they that's where they learn their trade, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think we've done the right thing, to be honest. Um, yeah. Loaning a lot of these players out. I know some of them were, you know, have featured on the bench and, and stuff like that, really. But, I mean, a lot that we need to know how good they really are, don't we? I mean, Liam Cullen's a great example. I mean, the guy's 22 years old. He really should have had a loan before now. I'm, I'm not blaming him because I don't think it's his fault. But, you know, these at 22, we're not talking about potential. You've got to be doing the business, really, haven't you? And, yeah. You know, I think that loan is a make or break for him. I think Whitaker, you know, he, he's playing as well. That's only a good thing. Jordan Garrick seems to have done really well at Plymouth. Ollie Cooper, likewise, at Newport. And, you know, these guys may well be players that we're, we're looking at next season. And we, we want to know how good they are, don't we? So, and then obviously, Brandon Cooper now has gone to Swindon. And, you know, the Brandon Cooper one last year when we recalled him from Newport and then didn't play. Pointless. It was one that genuinely did anger me because he was doing really well there. And it really was a needless thing to do. I know we picked up an injury when he came back uh, here then, but I just don't know why we did it. It really was really stupid. Um, you know, I, I just think that these youngsters, if they're not playing, then, you know, loaning them out is by far the more sensible thing to do. And I think, you know, when the summer comes, we'll have some answers, won't we, about how good some of them are and if they can, if they will play a part in our future or if we're going to move them on, really. So I'm, I, I forgot thinking. about um, Dan Williams as well, of course. Who went yeah, out and, to yeah, Ireland, where didn't they both got over to Ireland. So I think that they'll be harder to judge, I think, won't they? Because you know, we, we don't really know what the standard is like in Ireland. But again, I'm just pleased that they're going to be going out and playing football because you know, you don't want your career to sort of stagnate in the way that well, I would say Liam Cullens has really. Because mm. you know, like I say, 22, you, you need to be playing at least a lot of the others are a little bit younger than that in general. So yeah, we'll we'll see what happens, I think. Um, you know, next, um. You know, in, you know, in the summer. I think with Kyle Joseph, as was, was mentioned earlier, I think if we're not going to play much of him, then, you know, you'd have to say that was a mistake as well because, you know, I think he had been playing for Cheltenham and you don't really want to recall people if they're play, playing unless you feel we need them. But, you know, so I'm hoping he will end up getting more minutes. Otherwise, I think we've made a mistake. I think with him, I, the only thing I would say with him is if he doesn't get on the pitch, he's certainly always going to be on the bench. Well, I would think so, just because our options attacking-wise are so limited. Um, specifically, now that we've let Cullen and Whitaker go out. So I, I, I feel like Joseph is going to be in and around that option for 
Russell Martin between the end of the season, and he may end up being, you know, chasing a game with 15 minutes to go or something, that sort of option, or he may start games. Um, if he does neither, then again, it beggars belief because he is one that does show promise and um, and it would be a great shame if uh, we didn't at least look to see what he could do in, in you know in the in the cutthroat situation of an actual you know football match you know but um it'll be interesting to see uh, we've put it off for long enough let's talk Jamie Patterson Steve um will he won't he was he going to wasn't he going to he has been in a self-imposed exile is that a fair comment for the last couple of weeks he, he's Russell Martin has defended him to the health. Only he and Patterson will know um, exactly the conversation that have gone on behind the scenes there. And the real story with regards to his contract situation, we may never actually find out the gritty details now that he is staying. Um, nothing got finalised. There were three offers on the table in the end by, by the time deadline day came around from QPR, Steve. The third and final offer got rebuffed and that was it. Um, but they were long, long way away from the club's valuation of the man, so um, there was no way they were going to accept it. And for once, I'll credit the club for their um, their attitude there, because so often we have buckled on deadline day just to to make the business happen, haven't we? Um, and in this instance, we've actually, you know dug our heels in, whether it was Russell Martin doing it, I don't know, but for some reason we've decided on this one to dig our heels in and say, no, no, this is our valuation, you meet it or we don't get him and and, and credit to the club, they did that. Yeah, they did. Um, I think, you know, Patterson, 30-year-old, you know, I think those type of players in this market are never going to go for much now, so I can't say I'm overly shocked that nobody's come in with the type of offer that we were looking for, but as you say, I mean, just, um, you, you do wonder sometimes if we just accept anything on death like yeah. we've done in the past, so it's good that we didn't do that. Um, it is a, I suppose it is a tricky one now, isn't it? What are we going to do? I mean, we, we, we've we got to reintegrate him. It's as simple yeah. as that because the games have shown that we, we genuinely do need him and Joel Perot needs him as well, so yeah, it's, it's not a great one. I think Patterson himself needs to come up and say something, doesn't he? He, needs he to absolutely does. And justify it. That means he's going to throw the owners under the bus. That's not a problem because, let's be honest, a lot of us have got no time for them anyway. I, I think from... I'm not sure how much we went into it last time or whatever, but I think from my point of view, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he was promised something and then, obviously, the board have gone back on their word, which is poor and you can't really do it. Um, at the same time, you don't down tools and not play, so he doesn't come out with that great either. Um I think the what the what the club should have done, they should have triggered the extension and said, look, we're going to trigger the extension before it gets to January because that means you can talk to other clubs. So that means we want you to stay, get a chance to win throughout the way, and then after that we'll we'll talk about adding another year to your contract and you know some sort of wage increase. That's what should have happened. One. We yeah, talked about this, didn't we? Safeguard yeah. his future at the club and then say we're going to renegotiate your contract. Straight away, as soon as we know that you're, you know, protected, and not going to be able to walk away for nothing. Yeah, exactly. That's what we we should have done. And the, the thing is, as well, if they, if there was a promise of something better, as well, let's be honest, the players are talking. They'll all know about it. 
And they're probably mm-hmm. then annoyed themselves if that's the case. And probably also thinking, well, we, we don't trust this club. We don't trust yeah. the people behind the scenes to do right by us either. What's going to happen if we're in a similar situation? So you're not doing it yourselves any good. The, the board probably think they've, if that is the case, they pulled a fast one and they're thinking, right, well, you know, we've got him under contract. I'm going to offer him a better one. But you're not looking at the, the bigger picture then. Absolutely. So, you know, it's, I think they, they should have offered him something better. And, you know, and if they had, that would have avoided the whole issue, wouldn't it? So it's it's a disappointing thing. But like I said, I think Patterson does have to take some responsibility because, you know, if me or you decided to down tools because we were not yeah. in work, I think we'd be uh, out the door. So it's disappointing. The thing is, he's it's disappointing for the fans, isn't it? We haven't done anything at the end of the day, and we want to see one of our best players on the pitch. And, you know, I sort of feel sorry for the manager as well because he's, you know, he's sort of stuck in the middle. And, and obviously the other side of the coin is, last August, nobody wanted him. We offered him a deal when nobody did. So he should sort of remember that as well, I think. But, you know, I, I don't think it's a black and white situation. It's it, it, it's clearly not. And I feel like a lot of fans have jumped on the, um, you know, the Jamie Patterson, you know, slag him off kind of situation. And I get the anger. I mean, it's it's, it's obvious that there would be anger and stuff. And, and the situation as it was in the summer for him, you'd think, I'll be grateful for what you've got here. We took a chance new, et cetera. But it, it's clearly, and it's been clear to me from the off, that it's never going to have been a black and white situation. There's clearly a breakdown in promises and communication. Jamie Patterson feels wronged. There's, 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 there's simply no other way about it. The, the fact that he agreed to the extension early, if he was interested and wanted to leave the club and that was his motivation for throwing his toys out the pram, he would never have agreed to do it early. You'd have said, no, I'd not have to sign this until the, whatever the trigger point is, 25 games or whatever it was. And it would have allowed them then to talk to other clubs and agree a pre-contract agreement sorted. Um, but no, you know, the, the club has sorted that early with his with his uh, um, blessing. And uh, and then we've ended up him pulling himself out of the club and out of the squad and whatnot and Russell Martin saying he's not in the right frame of mind. There's see, there's some other story there to be told, isn't there? Um, I completely agree with what you're saying. It There needs to be a PR exercise being run by the club now and Patterson, whether it ends up with him saying, you know what, my agent said X, Y and Z, he said I could get a better deal here, there, whatever. You know, I've realised I've been badly advised and I've taken stock accordingly. Um, or whether, like you say, he, he goes straight straight out and says, you know what, I was promised, you know, this, that, and the other. And now, as soon as I agreed to the contract extension, they they pulled the plug on it. And if he wants to go honest that way, as you say, there's, he's not going to get a lot of, uh, you know, bad press if he if he decides to tell it as it is regarding our owners because Swans fans know all about them. Um, so yeah, it's it's but there needs to be a PR exercise. He cannot just simply walk back into the squad for me next weekend and nothing have been said. I mean, this can't just be Russell Martin to have spoken. Um, I think fans want something that they can pin on it and just say, do you know what, this is what happened, this is why he was upset, and um, we move on from it. But, uh, yeah, I, I expect there'll be something in the press this week, um, especially as, 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 as we've been reading that... Martin wants to integrate him back into training this uh, today and uh, onwards. So um, it'll be certainly interesting to see what happens there anyway. Uh, is there any part of you uh, during the last few days or so that made you 
hope and wish you just needed to leave because of the the stink that was around the club, or were you always hoping that reintegration was a possibility? Um, I think I I was open to reintegration, but I think if he was going to go, it was a case of where we had to bring somebody else in, and I think if that was going to happen, then okay, you sort of dust yourself down and move on. But I mean, it was always going to be difficult, I think, to bring somebody else in, wasn't it? So you know, I think. It's the outcome as long as he's willing to come back and and play, it's it's not the worst outcome, I I don't think. But mm. you know, time will tell, won't it? It's um it's difficult to say for certain, isn't it, until we we see what happens. But no one can surely dispute that we need him because it's not been great, is it, the last uh, few weeks and <laughs> goal scoring has been a big issue for us. And obviously we're talking now about the man that might be able to sort that out for us. So yeah, um, we've, we've got to do it, and yeah, fingers crossed. Um, he'll be reintegrated and he'll do the job. Yeah, well, it has to be now, doesn't it? I mean, he's our player, um, you know, until the summer at least. Uh, see if that situation changes then when the window reopens. But for now, we're looking at a player who makes Perot tick as well, of course, uh, who's struggled particularly with service since uh, Patterson's been out of the squad. So uh, it'll be very interesting to see how that develops anyway um, over the coming days and weeks. And So um, we'll move on now to look at the games coming up. Uh, first and foremost, we've got Blackburn on the weekend. That's an evening kickoff on Saturday. Um, Steve Blackburn are flying. Um, and in a league which we thought was a two-horse race, well, they're the third horse that's come in and um, relentlessly pushed their way into that top two now. Uh, it's going to be a tough game, isn't it? Even though it's in front of the Liberty Stadium crowd. Yeah, it is. Um, like I said, Blackburn have been the informed team really, haven't they, for the last uh, little while or whatever. I didn't really see them going this high at the start of the season, but ever since Ben Brera... He added a name Diaz, onto back of his shirt, yeah. yeah. Ever since he's added Diaz to his name, he's been buying, hasn't he? And obviously, he'll, um, he should be back by the weekend as well. He's been in South America playing qualifiers for the World Cup, but I think he should be back involved. So, um, yeah, look, it's you know, Blackburn's job is going to be quite difficult, I think, to sort of get into the top two. But they, you know, they have sprung a surprise, and they did do a couple of late deals. Ryan Hedges, who was at the Swans, yeah, um, you know, a few years back, come through the youth year, and he, he's gone there from Aberdeen, and Ryan Giles has gone there. Obviously, there was a Cardiff, and you know. But it sounds like we could have done that deal. So yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah. I think obviously Blackburn will be coming down here feeling quite confident. I would have thought because we've not been great, and you know Tony Mowbray sides they always have a go at you, don't they? They, they, they like to, to attack, don't they? Yeah, they they tend to be easy on the eye. They're not always the best defensively either, mind. But um, yeah, I think yeah, I don't think it's going to be nil nil on um on Saturday. But I I do fear that uh, you know they may put a couple past us. Yeah, uh, well, defensive frailties aside, can we hurt a team that uh, have their own? I mean, at the moment, we're showing quite toothless at one end and porous at the other, which is the dreaded combination, isn't it? Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. As you say, you can never really... One thing you don't want to do with the Swans is put them in your accumulator because uh, you just don't know what's going to happen. We are due a turn-up in form. We're 19th in the league, Steve. Um what did we say earlier? Two wins in twelve. Is that? I mean, if that's the if that's where we're looking in terms of um, results, it's really, really poor run of form. 
uh, it's a worrying run of form. And I, I, I really fear that I'm not seeing at the moment the progression in our style of play through the season that I'd have hoped and expected to see. And that is accounting for the fact that we took a month off with the COVID breaks, uh, which obviously is going to be disruptive. But I'm seeing the same mistakes happening. I'm seeing the same frailties being displayed on a weekly basis. And I, I'm not seeing evidence of what's being worked on on the training ground. Is that a fair criticism? Yeah, I think it is to an extent. I think the problem is some of these players just aren't good enough to maybe play the way that we want. And I think defensively, that seems to be certainly be the case. So are we going to have to wait until you know we can get players in that can play this way? Or... Does the manager need more time to get these players in shape type of thing? But obviously, he's had a lot of time with most of them now. Mm. And I mean, if they're not in shape by this stage, or certainly making improvements, then you'd have to say that maybe those those guys are not going to be right for us long term. So I think that's sort of the predicament that we're, we're in, isn't it? I mean, I think, you know, the overall window, as you say, we, we did the bare minimum read and we, we didn't get in. You know, we, we probably needed a, a more commanding centre-half, I would say, and ball-playing centre-half to, to come in, ideally. We, we didn't do that, did we, So, for example? So, you know, we might have to wait until the summer to, to get that type of player. I mean, we, we improved other areas, but, you know, it's still a work in progress, and it? it was always going to take, I think, a few windows to, to improve that and time to, for the players to embrace the style as well. But, you know, I think it would have been nicer to have been further down the road, wouldn't it? I think that's a fair comment. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I again, it's for me. It's not about being the polished article at this stage. It's about just seeing those sorts of shoots of growth, and you know, and perhaps I analysis. Where do we look? Where do we concede here? Where do we concede there? Right? Okay, how do we stop this from happening next week? So you know, when the ball comes here, whatever, make sure there's not. 30 yards of space in behind you for someone to break into and create a goal-scoring opportunity. And as I say, these situations keep reoccurring every week and it doesn't leave us in a position of strength when we are gifting the opposition a 1-0 or 2-0 head start and then asking us to get back into it when we can't score for Toffee. So I think from our point of view, there's, there's certainly a lot that we perhaps have failed to improve on in terms of our... Um, analysis of where the games have been won and lost uh, this season um, and, and and that's something that I hope with the, the signing of the Shrewsbury fullback will allow us uh, you know bring Manning back into the, the back three the ball playing centre half which we know he is give that Shrewsbury fullback the freedom of the wing to attack um, because we know Manning will cover well uh, down there so it, it, it hopefully will improve uh, when they see these January recruits bed in. Um, but like I say, no one wanted us to be down in 19th at this stage of the season. Uh, we're not looking over our shoulders. I don't think I think we I don't think there's any real danger of that this season, but it's still it's a lowly position and it's one that Russell Martin himself will be acutely aware that he'll want to improve on before the season's out. Um, how do you see it going with Blackburn? I, I, I fancy it probably being myself I think I'd probably go for something like <laughs> 3-1 away which is not really as optimistic as I'd like to normally be yeah I'm 2-1 Blackburn I'm gonna say yeah yeah they you know if we keep Diaz quiet we're halfway there but that's a big ask this season um we'd like to think he might at least be tired 
so that could be a, a bonus. Hopefully, not his best. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, bloody thought when they lost Adam Armstrong at the end of the window in the summer, you'd have thought that was them. That was them, you know, big screwed them over big time, but not the case at all. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Hopefully, me and Steve are both wrong there. We will look quickly at the Stoke game. Um, the following Tuesday, because we won't be able to do a podcast before then. Uh, Steve, they um, they did a right number on us earlier on in the season, don't you? Remember Sam Klukas in front of the East Stand? Bell end. Uh, <laughs> how, how can I forget? <laughs> yeah, I don't even have a problem with Klukas myself, but the fact that he did that in front of the East Stand, I can go screw himself. Um, but yeah, so essentially, we've got, um, we, we've got to go up there and uh, put one over on them to, to get back at them, really, because they tore us apart down here. Um, do you have any optimism about going up to Stoke, the Britannia Stadium, and coming back with a result? Uh, not a happy hunting ground for us. Um, <laughs> obviously, we did win last year. Um, before that, we'd last won in the year 2001. Before that, 1981. And before that, 1961. So I would say it's a fairly safe bet that we will not win this game. Um can I so say no, last year's win was not at all controversial either? Ex- yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think the phrase daylight robbery could be uh, used for that one. Oh, well, so, just hurl ourselves down in the box. Norton can do that yeah. again on, on Tuesday. Although I must admit, because it was Stoke, it was a little bit sweet. Because of course it was. Let's, be honest, let's, let's be honest about this. Right, That didn't touch the size in terms of no. like Stoke have still massively had a few numbers on us down the years. Like with decisions and stuff like that, so uh-huh. that we were long overdue a stinking one. It's just a shame that we weren't there to rub it in. But um, like I, I'm not optimistic going up there. If anything, I'm a bit surprised the Stoke gone a bit higher up because you know, yeah, they did, they did look very well. That they were playoffs, didn't they? Yeah, I mean they they did play very well down here, and I was thinking oh, this looks like a team that's a pretty serious playoff contender here. But you know they they're sort of in that top half, aren't they? But they I don't think they've kicked on in the way that I. No, they might have done so. Not a million miles away, mind if they do beat no, us. No, they're in there, they're in the cluster, aren't they? Yeah, you know, I, I thought they would have been a bit higher, mm-hmm. if I'm honest. But look, that that will be a tough game. And as I say, we, we, we don't tend to do well there, do we? And you know, but we, we may well come away with something. I think if we would, I think if we did get a point there, I'd be quite pleased with that. Um, it'd be a good result. Um, yeah, Stoker, uh, you know, the, I think that this is definitely the best Stoke have been since they've. Being relegated, I mean they they came down the same time as us, and if we're honest, they've massively underachieved. I mean when they first came down, I, I was fairly sure they would go straight back up based on. They kept most of their squad as well, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, they did, and they brought in the likes of Tom Ince and Ben Akafobi, players who've done very well at this level previously, and it for whatever reason it just didn't click to it, and they've been through a lot of managers, and yeah, they've they've spent a lot of money that owner or the owner certainly has spent a lot of money, and it's. It certainly hasn't paid off, has it? So, yeah, you'd you'd expect Stoke to have done better than they have, but this year they do look like they, you know, they're, they're in certainly in with a chance of top six, aren't they? Which is something that you can't have said since they came down. So they'll they'll be pleased with that. And obviously, uh, you know, there's one or two uh, of our former players there. You mentioned Klukas, and obviously these days the captain is Joe Allen, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We've had some horrors, horrors up there, haven't we? Um, Wilfred Borney when he was there, of course. Uh, yeah, how do you see that one going then? You say a point would be great. Would you expect it to hope for it? Is that what you predict? 
I am going to predict the one all. Actually, I think we might come away with something there. But I'm certainly hoping that we will come away with something. We could, you know, if we if we get a point, there's not going to be too much moaning. I don't think unless you know we dominate and don't win or something. But I, I don't really see us doing that, unfortunately. So yeah, let's. I, I will predict us to come away with a draw, which would be, you know, I, I'd be happy with that, and I, I don't think I'd be the only one. No, I, I, I would, I'd, I'd be happy with that as well. I'm actually going to predict us for a one 0 defeat up there. Um, just the the idea of that stadium, just I just see us losing all the time up there. Um, yeah, so I'm gonna go for a one 0 defeat. I hope I'm wrong on both counts this week because it really doesn't leave us with a great run of form if we um if we do we pick up nothing for the next two games. Um, based on the transfer window, Steve. And uh, and where we're at now, how would you rate it? Would you, would it be a five out of ten for you? Probably five or six, something like that. I think we we just did the bare minimum, didn't we? The players mm. that we let go, they all did get replaced in the end. We needed more ideally, but we haven't left ourselves worryingly short in any position. But you know, at the same time, a couple of injuries here and there, we're not going to be looking great if they're in certain positions either. So you know. Uh, the other truth is, let's be honest about it, when you have previously left a manager with one centre-half after the deadline is shut, and when you have tried to give away one of the crown jewels on loan to nobody in yeah. the last few years, I Not think any transfer this. window can't possibly look that bad, although in reality, <laughs> maybe it isn't that, that good. It's a low bar at Swansea City. Yeah, because the bar is so low, maybe we're, I'm just thinking, well, it's you know, it's not that bad, but yeah. Maybe someone from another club would have to tell me if if this is that bad or or not. Um, but yeah, we're, we're starting, aren't we, from a bar where our, some of our transfer dealings have, have been so bad that you're just like you can't believe how bad it's been. So yeah, oh, not do, you as bad as that, do you remember that deadline day after we came down? And it was just stop hitting refresh on Twitter for God's sake, because every time we do, there was another tweet from the club. Confirming that a player had left for some pittance fee, and it was the worst deadline day in living memory. It was just horrific, wasn't it? Yeah. Just remember was... that one under Potter and thinking, "Oh my god." Oh my well, god. I remember we brought in a um, we brought in Declan John that day. That was the only signing that we made on a deadline day, and we already had a left back. And I remember thinking, "Like you're giving away all the centre halves." We only had Vanderhorn, and obviously Roden had made his debut at that point. I know the loan window was still open, but I remember just saying to myself, like, are we serious here bringing in a left back that we, like, I'm not saying that we, we don't need one in an ideal world, but like centre half wise, I remember just thinking, we are beyond desperate here. <laughs> like, it just, it, it did genuinely, like, beg a belief. And obviously, we were left with one striker, really, because Boney was injured for ages. And then obviously, we only had um, McBurney. I was just thinking, like, you, you just can't be serious that you're, you're going to do this to us. And it, it did feel like some sort of nightmare, didn't it? I remember th- and I think there was a certain panic as well, wasn't there, at that point, that how bad are the finances really? Because it, it did the deals we were accepting did feel like a club on the verge of administration. Well, it felt like that, didn't it? And certainly after the fact, when the dust settled, it, it, what was coming out from rumours of people who would know within the club was that it, it was, well, administration would have been probably the nicest uh, result for us at, at one point, perhaps straight up liquidation in terms of how bad it was looking at some points um but yeah uh thankfully obviously what happened afterwards with uh with trevor birch coming in and um 
and getting good money for some of the players after Potter had gone uh, was was saved us. But I guess that leaves us in a situation where we are rating transfer windows up because they just can't get as bad as they were back then. Um, but yeah, I think in reality they probably are quite bad still. Um, on that basis, Steve, are we how would you see the second half of the season panning out? Um, it's sort of hard to say. Now I'm hoping we're going to improve. Um, remember before a ball was kicked, I think I projected 16th. So I think that's still fairly realistic that we're we're going to end up there. I mean, if if Patterson's reintegrated, we're going to look better going forward, aren't we? So you know, I I think we will improve, and obviously we have got some games in hand still. So you know, in, in that sense, we you know. I think we'll go on a run at, at some point and we'll, we'll pick some wins up like we did in about October time. And, you know, I, I don't think we're going to go down. I mean, if we're, no. if we're going to be really negative about it, I mean, there's never been a better year to be shit because two teams have had points deductions. Barnsley have been, you know, their, their points tally is, is pretty bad. And I mean, to be below Derby in this season takes them doing Peterborough down there. Mm. And... You know, I mean, well, I'm just looking now and Cardiff are 1-0 up in injury time at Barnsley. So, you know, um, that, that sort of shows how bad Barnsley are, doesn't it? You know, they're, they're losing again to a team that are not far off them in the division. You know, Barnsley have got 14 points now from 28 games. I mean, mm. that's literally averaging half a point a game. I mean, that, that takes some doing, doesn't it? I mean, you've got to be really, oh, it's horrendous. Really bad. Yeah, it, it is terrible. Like, you know, that you're at, they're at that point now where... They probably need more wins than defeats in the remaining games to have a chance of staying up. So, yeah, like it is that bad. Um, and you know, Cardiff now with that win the other day, and now they looks like they're going to win this. I mean, they're only three points behind us, and they pulled. I think it's nine clear of the bottom three. So that that shows you've done it. Cardiff with those back-to-back wins, it makes a big difference. Now, if we can go and get do that somewhere, we'll jump up a few positions and we'll, we'll pull further clear, won't we? So. You know that that's how we've, we've got to look at it. It can turn quickly, and I'm I'm sure it will at at some point. But you know, I I can't say I'm overly confident it's going to happen straight away. This isn't me being optimistic or being cuckoo here, right? But this is we're at the bottom of that huge cluster of clubs. It's what we're at now. I mean, if you look at, I mean, we are twelve points off the bottom three, despite only being three positions off it. Um, but that's the gap. That there's the gap. There's a huge divide there between that and, like you say, a couple of wins, and we're we're looking around mid-table-ish. And then from that position on, you're only five or six points off ninth or tenth, you know. Um, and then obviously that looks a lot healthier in terms of your league finish. So, you know, it is a massive cluster of teams. There's not a lot separating them throughout the throughout the middle part of the division there, um, even breaching into the. Six or fifth or sixth in the league, so um, you know the, there is that map. But our form has been so bad that we just dropped to the bottom of that entire cluster, um, and something needs to change. I think, from my point of view, I hope to see, as I was talking about earlier, I hope to see those sorts of shoots of even if we lose in games, I want us to see that I can see the the progress and how we are, you know, dominating teams, not just or holding the ball all game, but actually, how have we managed? I want to feel again, like if we'd lost the game, I want to feel like how have we managed to lose that? Do you know what I mean? Um, the feeling we had so often under Potter was was the feeling that we had managed to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory because of the way we were playing. Um, 
and and at the moment I think we we are missing something to feel like we are pressing teams, pushing them back and battering the opposition's goal. It's not happening. And Russell Martin, I, no matter what he says in the press about you know being happy with X, Y, and Z, I think he knows that it's not clicking up front. Um, and obviously we still have those defensive frailties. So yeah, I think it will improve. It, it certainly hoped to it improve for the second for the last what is it now 19 games of the season we've got. Um, so there's plenty of time for us to see those improvements. And um, who knows where that leaves us. If uh, if we were on a better run of form, I'd say given the given the transfer fiasco, I'd be worried about losing Russell Martin in the summer. Um, but um, I'm not 100% convinced at the moment that uh, he'd have a whole lot of the suitors waiting for him. Um, so maybe we will have a manager to see us into the next season. But we'll see how it goes. Um, Steve, as I say, we will come back after the Stoke game to do another podcast looking ahead to weekend because it is. Two, two games a week, isn't it, pretty much, um, for a long time. So we're going to have to uh, squeeze them in when we can. But, um, yeah, a, a, apart from that, Steve, I think really we reached the point in the podcast where we can say, let's call it a night and let's hope that we come back next week with a couple of positive results. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's not been the best like week or so, is it, I think, for performances and stuff like that. We, we definitely feel like, I'd say, that we need some sort of a lift. So... You know, fingers crossed um, we'll, we'll get that by the time we uh, record another one because, you know, it's, it's not great, is it, talking about defeats and poor performances, conceding yeah. sloppy goals and stuff like that. No, nobody really wants to, to hear that. They want to hear more positive stuff. But, um, you know, we can only reflect, can't we, what we're seeing. We're not going to pull the wool over anybody's eyes. But, yeah, we'd certainly like to talk a bit more positively next time. Absolutely. And let's, wait. let's let's hope that we do anyway, because we've got Blackburn and Stoke. And if we do pull back three or four points on them too, then my God, things will look a lot more positive and be a lot more positive around the club. And uh, the booze at full time of last night's game will be a distant memory, hopefully. So anyway, we hope that uh, that's the case. Anyway, from myself and Steve, thank you very much for listening. And we will speak to you soon. But for us, bye bye. Mm-hmm.